Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is Lynn Menges. And Lynn is uh, the president and chief executive officer of the North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association. And Lynn, I looked it up and it was June 28th of last year when we had you on the program. And that war, that there were some dark days, some very dark days for the restaurants and the motels. And they were, that was probably about the, the, uh, bottoming out. I would, I, I'm just guessing, but, uh, we had a, a, a very interesting program that day. And we talked about all the problems, the restaurants, and the hotels, the motels were facing during that period of time, but things, uh, uh, did get better and uh, are continuing to get better. So where where do the uh, let, let's take the restaurants first, and then we'll talk about the motels and hotels a little later on. But where are our restaurants now, and and uh, how is the recovery working for them? Well, Don, uh, you're right. We uh, certainly are in a better place than we were last uh, June when we spoke. Um, I re- I recall. I mean, I, I can't believe it's been that long. I mean, some, in some ways it seems forever, and in other ways it seems like just yesterday. But you know, restaurants across the state were really shut down for uh, about nine weeks from March to May uh, of last year. And then about June, when we last spoke, we were just beginning to reopen. There was tremendous reluctance among consumers to go back into restaurants. Um, There were significant uh, capacity restrictions. And so, you know, we were really struggling. But here we find ourselves, um, you know, almost a year later, and uh, things are looking pretty good. I mean, the you know, the sun is shining. People are coming back into restaurants. Um, we understand that about 40% of North Carolinians are fully vaccinated now and hopefully more to come. Um, case counts are down. And so, you know, consumer confidence is up. Um, demand for restaurant dining is, is up again. And so things are looking pretty good. We still have plenty of challenges. I want to, don't want to sugarcoat things, but we are, uh, we're feeling pretty good about our situation right now, much better than we were a year ago this time. Well, that's uh, the, sort of the stock answer. We're in great shape for the shape we're in. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So, so you know, Don, it is, uh, uh, to, you know, to be perfectly candid, we are open for business. Uh, demand is strong, but we still have lots of challenges. You know, these restaurants have taken on a significant amount of debt over the last year. I mean, they uh, have struggled to keep their doors open. Many were not successful. Many have closed. Um, and those that are open, you know, have really operated almost most of them at a loss. I mean, the most anybody could do, even if they filled every seat every night, would be about 60 percent capacity because of the social distancing requirements. So um, they've struggled quite a bit. And uh, until those uh, restrictions are, li- are lifted, which we hope will be, you know, June 1 of this year, um, they're going to continue to struggle. And then the, the climb back out of this uh situation is going to be a long protracted one. So, you know, to be candid, things look good. We're feeling good, but, um, you know, restaurateurs from a business perspective are not really financially solvent yet. What is the percentage of restaurants, uh, compared to uh, before the pandemic began that have ended up uh, closing the doors and, uh, not to return? Well, that's a really good question. Well, that's a, a great question and one that we get often, but uh, here's the, the real answer, and it's, it, it is that it is hard to determine how many we've actually lost. I think what we've seen in many situations are restaurateurs who le- whose lease expired, for example, and they may close a location 
and turn around with plans to reopen or, or, or did reopen when things began to, to, to get more, uh, you know, business began to get brisk again. So it's really hard to get a finite number on uh, the number of closures. We feel pretty good uh, that most restaurateurs who were successful pre-pandemic um, are either still in business or are planning to come back. So, you know, my hope is that we have not lost many. Um, we feel, you know, pretty certain that most of them who were in good financial shape going into the pandemic have figured out a way to come back out of it. So, um, you know, it was not an easy feat, but uh, fortunately, I, I hope and, you know, hope that we haven't lost many and think we haven't. Did the PPP plan uh, help the restaurants to any great extent? <sighs> Well, the, the payroll protection the payroll protection program uh, rolled out pretty quickly in the early days of uh, the pandemic and helped lots and lots of businesses across this country. Along that long list of businesses that received PPP uh, were restaurants. So, in North Carolina, uh, our state received about thirteen billion dollars in PPP. Restaurants, hotels, and bars combined only received about one point one billion. So, yes, the answer is it was helpful. Um, there are about 22,000 businesses in that category. I just mentioned restaurants, bars, and hotels, only about 9,000, a little over 9,000 received the PPP. So yes, it was helpful, but, um, you know, it, for most in the early days, it paid for two and a half times payroll for, you know, two and a half months of payroll. So, you know, it wasn't a lot of money. It was enough to help some of them get by, but, um, that alone, uh, by no means is enough to, you know, save a lot of these restaurants. It's, it, we're, we're still, uh, looking for more, we're fortunate that um, the the American Recovery uh, Relief Fund that was just passed by Congress does provide some money for restaurants, and so that grant fund of about two twenty eight point six billion dollars will be helpful. And then we hope to get uh, a stimulus grant program for restaurants, hotels, and bars passed here in North Carolina during this legislative session. The uh, number of restaurants, of course, turned to takeout and. Uh, uh, curbside delivery and so forth. Uh, has that, uh, do you think that's a trend that will continue now that they've learned that habit, uh, that uh, this will be, end up being in addition to indoor seating will also be a big part of their business, maybe bigger than it would have been had we not had the pandemic? Well, I do think there are a lot of things that uh, we've had to embrace during COVID that uh, will remain long after the, the pandemic is over. I think those things include, um, you know, takeout delivery, um, family size meals to go where people can pick up a meal, take it home, finish it off, warm it up. Um, I think that's been fairly successful. I think um, delivery apps, uh, Uber Eats, DoorDash, the, those kinds of things have really taken hold. They were already beginning uh, to see an ascent in popularity pre-pandemic, but during the pandemic, they have really become popular. So I think that will remain um, things like online ordering, contactless payment and, and uh, delivery. Uh, many of those things certainly will remain. And, and I think what's sure to remain is our heightened awareness of uh, health and safety protocols. I think as consumers, uh, we are much more uh, conscious of, you know, hand washing and, uh, you know, sanitization of, of things, uh, not only in restaurants, but in other places. And so that certainly uh, will remain, I think, long after COVID is over. So, you know, good things. Um, it's just, it's just hastened a lot of changes that probably were inevitable anyway, but um, a lot of those I think will remain long after the pandemic's over. The fast food industry in turn uh, was seeing a big increase 
year to year, almost every year, you'd see more and more people using drive-in windows. I suspect that they, I'm just guessing, uh, this is a guess in the form of a, a question in the form of a guess, that the fast food industry actually survived a little bit better than maybe the casual dining or the fine dining because they were already headed toward a era where lots of people were using drive-in windows anyway. Well, that's a, a great observation. Yes, I, I do think those uh, fast casual restaurants, the quick serve restaurants who were positioned to do takeout and delivery already or drive through uh, certainly fared much better than fine dining or family style type restaurants. Uh, and so they've done pretty well overall uh, across the state. And I think that will continue. I mean, we're all in a hurry. Folks are you know, busy getting from one place to another to another and they like to be able to drive through. So that that trend, I think, continued, and those restaurants did well. In fact, in some cases, they picked up business um, because people couldn't actually go in and sit down as families. And so, you know, there was a shift um, in dining across North Carolina. Um, but uh, for on the most part, those those takeout uh, restaurants did fairly well. I will say though, there was there is one exception to that, and that is that location matters. Um, we saw in these urban city centers where folks used to commute in from the suburbs into city centers, you know, those fast serve restaurants, quick serve restaurants did not fare as well. And that's largely because they didn't have that influx of workers, you know, going into the, to the workplace every day. Those uh, large office buildings remain, you know, quiet during most of 2020 and into 2021. So, um, you know, I think geography has had a lot to do with it, not just the kind of restaurant, but the, the location has had a, a big part to play in those restaurants that have fared well versus those that have struggled. How, is that uh, business returning and uh, how rapidly is it returning? Well, the one thing we are most eager to see is uh, folks getting back into offices across the state. Uh, we know that many restaurants, uh, excuse me, many offices have allowed their employees to work remotely. That's a, a trend that I think workers have actually enjoyed. Um, but I think it's really important that we begin to see people come back into offices across the state um, to get back to business as normal. And with that will come restaurant dining and, and business travel, which also plays into, you know, hotel stays, uh, airline travel. I mean, for us to receive to, to see full normalcy, we're going to have to see a, a return to the workplace. Um, and, and we do expect that to happen. It's already happening now, I think. But uh in, in many cases, uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a protracted recovery as, as people are waiting maybe a, a few months until the vaccine is more prevalent uh, before they call their workers back into to office buildings. But that will play a huge role in, uh, in getting business back into restaurants, bars, and hotels. Tell me about the Restaurant Revitalization Fund. Well, you know, we have said all along that uh, the losses that restaurants have faced are just so significant that this industry needed a, a program, a relief program that was unique to, to the hospitality sector. Um, we were successful in working with colleagues from around the country to get the uh, American Rescue Plan passed. And in that, uh, the, the restaurant recovery program, that really will offer a, a grant program of about $28.6 billion to restaurants who have seen a decrease in business year over year. Um, the, the challenge with that is that it's not nearly enough money to meet all the need. I mean, the need is significant across the state. So uh, we expect when the, the application process begins on Monday, May 3rd, um, the SBA will be inundated with applications and the money should go pretty quickly. So um, though we love the program, 
we need much, much more money to allow it to, to be really successful in helping many restaurants across the state to recover. The supply chain, of course, changed as people begin to uh, eat at home more. Uh, is the supply chain reversing again now and uh, restaurants becoming more important to that uh, to the vendors? Well, the supply chain uh, has been a really interesting part of this, and that, that struggle continues even today. Uh, I think we had it right, and now we've shifted back. And so now that people are coming back into restaurants, we're finding challenges with getting things like ranch dressing. Uh, because they're not uh, the workers in the factories to produce products to deliver to restaurants. Uh, we have chicken plants that are cut, uh, that are shut down because they can't find workers. And that's a whole nother subject I hope we can talk about later in the, in the program today. Um, but, you know, plenty of challenges still for this industry. And it is a lot of that is centered around supply chain and availability of product that's so crucial. We are going to turn in the next segment to talking about the, the other part of Lynn's job, and that's the lodging folks, the hotels and motels, because they also, of course, had radical changes to their operations. And uh, then we'll talk about some legislation and uh, other matters that are affecting restaurants and hotels for that matter, too. And we'll do that when we return with the next segment of Carolina Newsmakers. You stay tuned. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me, your handy chains dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com, brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Tom and Levi. Tom is the smartest man I know. He's been a professor at two major universities, He's been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, he told me that he was having um, problems in his classes. I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. And he was telling them that he was doing it as a favor to them. But I think in reality, he just wanted to get out of there. Um, I was really starting to worry because I saw something was wrong. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me, and my love for him was just immense. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Adopt US Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting a Teenager. Learning the lingo. GOAT, G-O-A-T, acronym, stands for greatest of all time. As in spaghetti sandwiches for dinner? They're my fave. Dad, you're the GOAT. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. 
visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is Lynn Menges, a native of Bladen County, North Carolina, uh, and a graduate of both Peace College and North Carolina State University. And she has been in the, uh, uh, the hospitality industry uh, most of her professional life, if not all of it, uh, both working at uh, the state of North Carolina in travel and tourism, and now in her role as the CEO and the president of the North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association. We had Lynn on about a year ago when uh, things looked a little dark. Things are looking better. Uh, but uh, there's one huge problem, Lynn, that uh, we have put off to this segment, and that is a lot of uh, people are having difficulty filling job vacancies. And this is uh, actually working against a recovery. Tell me about that. Well, it really is. I mean, after months and months of struggling, you know, through capacity restrictions, stay-at-home orders, curtailed hours and services being shut down, uh, we're now feeling better about things. People have been vaccinated. Uh, demand for dining out travel is high again. And so restaurants and hotels are trying to, you know, rehire. They were trying to restaff and, and, and get folks back together so that they can serve guests. Um, and what we're finding all across our state is a real shortage of workers to to work in the hospitality industry. This is not unique to our industry, by the way. We're hearing that from colleagues in you know, home building and, and just all other kinds of retail, all, all sectors of our, our state's economy. Um, but it really has posed some significant challenges. And uh, you know, ironically, it's uh, the greatest challenge we face to date. Does this uh, problem exist not only with the hotels and, uh, uh, and the restaurants, but also with the vendors that are the, uh, part of the supply chain? Well, it does. I mean, so there are just so many, so many impacts of worker shortages. So we have, you know, restaurants who are trying to rehab uh, hire staff at all levels. So, you know, from management on down to, you know, servers, back of the house, dishwashers. Many of those are offering incentives to get people to come in to work. And even with those incentives, in some cases, $1,000 uh, to get workers on board they're not successful at hiring. I hear hoteliers who have demand for hotel rooms and they're having to turn away guests because they don't have housekeepers to, keep, to clean the rooms. Um, you know, many have hired workers. Uh, they, they've done Zoom interviews and uh, then the workers don't show up. One told me that he hired eight in one day and only two showed up to work. So, you know, this is a recurring, this is a recurring theme that I'm hearing from all over the state and from my colleagues across the country, it's a real challenge um, to have those frontline workers in the industry. But as you mentioned, Don, it's not just limited to frontline workers in restaurants and hotels. We're having trouble getting supply. So in many cases, you know, the chicken that we serve in restaurants, the facilities that to process those chicken, those, that, that chicken are shut down because they don't have workers. Um, in many cases, you know, the ranch dressing that's served in restaurants can't be manufactured because up the, up the supply chain, they don't have workers to, to make that product. So it's a, it's a really interesting dynamic right now. One of my colleagues called it the hunger games um, where employers are fighting, you know, to get, to, to get workers. Um, you know, it's really survival of the fittest. Whoever can get workers to come back into their establishments and can shore up their supply chain may be successful, uh, but the others are going to, you know, do without. So it's a, it's a real challenge for us right now. Um, and I'm not sure there are any quick and easy solutions. 
is this a problem with full-time workers and part-time workers or is is the shortage more in full-time or part-time i think the shortage is in both and i think there are several factors that are playing into it uh largely right now we're seeing uh impacts uh for, from immigration i think um uh, there was a, a controversial ban on temporary worker visas, J-1 program for students, and an H-2B program for non-agricultural laborers um, that was put in place by the uh, previous administration. Um, it, it, we also are seeing embassies shut down uh, and international travel curtailed. And so those international workers are not able to come in. And we've been dependent as an industry on that. And so that's a part of the problem. Um, we're also seeing people who still are concerned about being uh, in the public. They still are not over COVID. They maybe haven't been vaccinated. They don't feel comfortable working on the front line. And in many cases, those employees are eligible for unemployment uh, benefits. And so, you know, they are choosing to stay home, um, take advantage of the unemployment that's available to them um, and waiting until things feel safer, until they're comfortable coming back to work. So we're seeing that happen as well. And then, you know, finally, we're seeing, uh, all these businesses coming back to life uh, and the demand for workers is at an all-time high. Uh, all of this is happening kind of at the same time. So there are plenty of job openings and just a few people who are available to take those jobs. So it's an interesting conundrum we find ourselves in right now. Um, and we're working hard to, to try and address it, but there are no real easy answers. Well, the uh, subsidies that the federal government gave to people, plus unemployment in many cases, equals more money than they could make if they were working. Uh, when will that, uh, that effect end? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think all the uncertainties around uh, stimulus and unemployment uh, have been a little bit hard to navigate. I'm not sure any of us really fully understands uh, how that is all working. Um, but nonetheless, I, I do understand that there is a, an opt-out that employees who don't feel comfortable coming to work, even if they're offered a job, uh, they have the right to decline that and to collect unemployment. So we're hearing situations where an employer calls an employee back to work. Um, they refuse that based on their fear of COVID, but they're still eligible to collect unemployment. So we're hearing that happening in uh, circumstances across our state. But I believe it's a, a part of the federal guidance, a part of the federal stimulus program. So there's not much we seem to be able to do about that um, here in our state. What about seasonal uh, employment for uh, college students? Because I know at the beaches and in the mountains, very often when you go in a restaurant there, you'll see college workers. Are they returning uh, to the workforce or are they holding out also? I do think there is some really good opportunity to, to get seasonal workers, um, high school students who are looking for college work or, or looking for summer work, uh, college students who are looking for summer work. And in some cases, I've seen uh, employers reach out to homeless shelters or um, to correctional facilities for individuals who are uh, coming out of correctional facilities and are willing to take jobs in, uh, in, in the public sector. Um, I think we're seeing a real shift in how we uh, introduce people into to careers in the industry. Um, and so all of that working together, hopefully will will create some relief, particularly this, through the summer. And uh, we're optimistic that, you know, maybe things will be better in the fall of this year, but the summer is going to be a little bit of touch and go. And we're going to see hotels not being able to open fully or restaurants not being able to, to serve at capacity just simply because they can't find workers, even despite the fact 
that many of them are offering signing bonuses. I mean, there's never been a better time to find a job in the hospitality industry. I will tell you that um, wages are at an all-time high. Hourly wages are at a, a, an all-time high. Um, it's just that there are not enough workers available to fill the many jobs that uh, these businesses are now working to create. Well, it's an interesting situation. And of course, as you said, the hospitality industry is not the only one that is finding difficulty uh, filling job openings. And uh, a part of that is, uh, as you said earlier, uh, many of the sectors uh, of the economy are doing quite well. And so they have a lot of openings. I know we in our company, we have around 32 openings right now. Um, about 16 of those are critical. Uh, but uh, the number of applicants and the applicant flow is is uh, at a crawl. So it, it is a serious problem. It's a good problem. It's a healthy problem. And it, I guess in the long run, it'll lead to something good. I think so. I mean, I, I do think we can be proud as North Carolinians that our economy is strong. I mean, many of the fiscally conservative policies that have been put in place over the last recent years have served us well. Our North Carolina economy, you know, is strong and, and growing. Um, you know, the, the fact that we have demand for jobs is phenomenal. I remember in not too, in the not too far dis, distant future, you know, we had a, a, a rather high unemployment rate. I mean, now this is getting better. And so, you know, I think we should feel good about that. Um, we just need to work hard to, um, to introduce folks to careers in the hospitality industry. We're beginning to have these conversations at the community college level, at the high school level, where I think in North Carolina, we have not done nearly as good a job as we should of introducing high school students to career opportunities in the trades. I think there's tremendous opportunity in other states, our surrounding states, um, Florida, South Carolina, uh, Virginia, have done a much better job than we have of, of introducing students to the trades at the high school level. So I think there's great opportunity there. Our community colleges are phenomenal, um, but we could invest more and grow those programs. So we're, we're currently having those kind of conversations um, and hope to expand some of those, um, those career training uh, opportunities that would create pathways for careers in the industry, not just transactional jobs, but career pathways that can make a real difference uh, for our industry. Well, Lynn, we've got about uh, two minutes left in the program. So what's at the top of your agenda as you enter the month of May? What uh, are you looking at as far as uh, what you're going to be spending your time working on to help the members of the North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association? Well, Don, we are hard at work over at the General Assembly right now. Uh, one of the things that we're keenly focused on is trying to get relief uh, for businesses that took advantage of the payroll protection program. Uh, North Carolina is one of only three states in the nation that will not allow businesses who receive that PPP money to deduct the business expenses that they use that money for. Uh, only California and Hawaii and North Carolina would propose to tax the individual for those dollars that they received. And so we're working hard to get that across the finish line. We've gotten it through the House. We're now working on the Senate. Um, it's been quite controversial for some reason, but we're eager to get that done. I mean, it, it seems unfair that the federal government will forgive those taxes and um, we're finding challenges here in North Carolina. So working hard on that. We are also asking uh, the governor as well as members of the General Assembly to use some of the new federal money that is coming to North Carolina as a carve out for a grant program for hospitality businesses that are struggling. And then finally, I will uh, just mention that we're asking for property tax relief. When we talked uh, earlier in the segment about hotels and the way that they've been impacted, 
interesting that we've seen hotel uh, revenues plummet, but the tax bills and many of these hotels pay significantly high tax bills, $300,000, $400,000. Those property tax bills have continued to come. And in many cases, they're valued uh, every four years. And so, you know, we're eager to um, get some relief. And we're being told by local taxing officials that we have to get that done at the state government level, at statutory uh, relief to allow them to be flexible. So those are some of the things we're working on now over at the General Assembly. Uh, forgiveness of ABC permit fees. That's just a small thing for businesses who haven't been allowed to serve alcohol. We don't think they should have to pay their annual fees. They need some forgiveness this year. Um, so plenty on our plate as we uh, work hard during the current legislative session to, to help our industry recover. Glenn, thank you so much for this update. Uh, Lynn Menges, president of the uh, North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association. Uh, if you missed the broadcast and like to hear a repeat, or if you miss two of the segments, you can go online to carolinaviewsmakers.com and uh, either hear a repeat of the entire broadcast or just the segments that you might have missed or if you want to share them with a friend. Jason will have another guest for us next week. So the next week, have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.